get me. From Studio A in Arcata, behind the Redwood Curtain, it's time for... Suckatash. Suckatash Clips, the original comedy soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcasts. And here's your host from up the coast, practically unknown outside of comedy soundcasting, comedy soundcast soundcaster, Tyson Saner. Saluton. Ne estas culero. Welcome to Suckatash, the comedy soundcast soundcast. I'm your host, Tyson Sainer. I've got a show for you that's bursting with content for your ears. You know, earlier today I was thinking about how strange it is that many of us refer to soundcasts as shows, because aside from those with a visual component, such as a video or something like it, mostly soundcasts are, well, sound. You can't really see sound, just that which it affects. So, podcasts, like radio shows before them, would more accurately be referred to as tells. But it's silly to think about renaming everything simply because of logic. I mean, I'd have to rebrand my other soundcast, Antisocial Show, to Antisocial Tell. And that's just weird. The acronym sucks, too. It's ASSED. I don't think that's a thing. Ah. Okay, I just googled it, and it's not a word. It's not an English word, at any rate. Ah. Okay, I just put it through Google Translate, and it means branch in German. So, mystery solved. Anyway, in this edition of Succotash, the comedy soundcast soundcast, I've got clips from The Tripod, The One in Twenty Show, You Made It Weird with Pete Holmes, Let's Write an Episode, Dr. Drew After Dark, and Thick Skin with Jeff Ross. We've also got a triple dose of raging moderate Will Durst's Bursa Durst segments. That's right, three. There's the latest edition of Let's Review from executive producer Mark Hershon, and of course, a reading from TrumpPoetry.com, our fake sponsor with a real website, with real poetry. It's a lot of content, so let's get to it. But first, we're going to start things off with our first burst ooters from May 17th, 2019, Internet Privacy, in which our intrepid correspondent goes off on a rant. Yes, again, as he does. Hey guys! Will Durst here with a few choice words about internet privacy, which is one of those oxymoron things we hear so much about. You know, like vegetarian butcher, or gluten-free dim sum, or Donald Trump's modern guide to etiquette and manners. The situation has gotten so bad, the co-founder of Facebook, a guy named Chris Hughes, called for the company to be broken up. But Mark Zuckerberg says, hey, no need for that. He's learned his lesson and promises to be a good boy from now on. And we can trust him, right? Because he's only lied about every privacy issue that's ever come up so far, ever. Remember when Facebook manipulated posts to gauge our emotional response and then sold the research data? All we are to them is lab rats. But even lab rats occasionally get some cheese, right? Hey, Zuck, keep your cookies. Give us some cheese. The standard defense is we knew this was going on when we signed up. But you've seen those user agreements. Nobody reads them. I don't even think the guys who write them read them. They're longer than the migratory path of a monarch butterfly and use a font so tiny it would make a flea squint. So what do you do? Scroll to the bottom and click accept. Then, two weeks later, you wake up in a bathtub full of ice with a scar where one of your kidneys used to be. And the internet never forgets. 
You've seen it happen. Check out the price of a piece of hardware, but decide you don't need it. Doesn't matter, because boom, there it is. On every website you visit for six months. Follows you around like a haunted fungus. For no apparent reason, suddenly everybody is having a sale on a festive array of red, white, and blue plastic bull semen inseminators. <laughs> don't ask. For Succotash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, I'm Will Durst. Thank you, Mr. Durst. All right, let's get to the clippage. First up, the tripod from Ramble. In its show description, it says, The Try Guys have swam with sharks, survived in the wild, shocked themselves with birthing simulators, and risked their lives for their videos. In this weekly podcast, they dissect their experiences as internet creators and best friends who have made a living failing upwards. Now, the clip is from episode one. It's called Sex Tapes and First Dates. It's from May 4th, 2019. The description reads, The Try Guys Try Podcasting. On our first episode, Keith decides he wants to produce his own sex tape, and the guys answer some first date questions at the weirdest restaurant ever. New episodes of Tripod come out every Thursday. Now, in this this little part of the conversation begins when Try Guy Keith says, Do you guys think I could release a sex tape and get the same thing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about it, because it seems like that sex tapes typically make you super fucking rich and famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it seems to fucking work. I, I guess you maybe need uh, to I be think, attractive I think the cultural lady. shift is, is uh, there's a difference now post... Uh, yeah, it's like a good thing. I think it's bad now. No. What are you talking about? What? When did it get I bad? I think it's worse Back now. Back to being bad? Yeah, because I think with, uh, you know, like Me Too movement and the digital age, like before I think it was like leaked by PR or when it came out they could spin it in a certain way, but now everyone... You know, I think now it's considered more an invasion of of privacy. What if I make I say hello? My name is no, Keith. This a, is my a, sex tape. A, like you, you make it. He's not like somebody. Well, tell me the most recent it. sex tape that made someone famous. Kim Kardashian, and she's like a that was the, that's the bygone era. Billionaire. I'm talking about like post 2010, 12. Pamela Tommy Lee. All right, listeners, you hear us. If you've got a sex tape and you're a famous <laughs> celebo, drop it so that Keith can follow in your footsteps. I mean, you're right, Eugene. All of the recent celebrity nude uh, things that I can think well, of been are like from about hackings. phone hacking, yeah, and right. that's obviously fucked up. And but, super, just, I'm but I think Keith's idea one. has some merit. I'm doing the night vision. I'm going to have fog. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be set. Yeah, it's going to be set. To obscure, you know, you don't want it to can be I, like, can I give so, you, like vulgar. You want it to be like a little bit sensual. Yes. Can I give you a piece of advice yes uh you cannot be the one who sets up the camera it needs to be i guess in this imaginary world it's your your wife becky who's making now i'm uncomfortable thinking about this as a real thing but she has to be the one on. <laughs> <laughs> she has to be the one that sets up the camera that way it's clear that that she's spying on you not you spying on her because no, I think keith can make a self-promotional sex tape <laughs> yeah. just he should do like a little vlog intro in the yeah. beginning. Like, hey, what's up, what's fam? Up? Hi, guys. Uh, it's Keith from Try Guys. Uh, this is my first sex tape. Never done a sex tape before. A little uh, nervous try about guys, it. Try sex tapes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Becky is about to come in the room. She's super on board. <laughs> it's like going to be awesome, but, you know, I hope you, you enjoy it. to do one. And then I, I have like pre thoughts and post thoughts that are woven in really well. And I have an expert. I interview somebody about their sex tape. What do I need to do to become famous? I do know based on, I think it'll be the best edited sex tape ever. Oh, yeah. No, you can't edit a sex tape. What are you talking about? You should just watch it all the way through. It's got to be in the moment. No, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to make a production. I'm going to have to edit about 20 sessions to make it look like one. 
<laughs> just so it retains the audience's interest. So right when I was first dating my lovely wife Ariel, where is this going? Where is this going, man? I'm uncomfortable with that segue. I'm into we, it. It has a funny ending. We decided we decided we were in France and we we're like, oh, we're on this crazy vacation. Let's make a sex tape. And so we started filming it. Wait, and, what? Yes. <laughs> but 30 seconds in, we, we like get to like, it's all set up. We like start embracing each other and the camera runs out of battery. That was probably the, the, the happiest moment. Best thing that and the happened. best thing that could have happened in retrospect. Well, because there's a lot of people out there who film themselves uh, having sex and they play it back while they have sex with other people oh, or that with the, the same what? person. No, I, yeah, wow. it's a huge other thing. Really? It's yeah, like, so it's like I'm going to put on my tape. my sex tape. Yeah, so that it's it's like the height of narcissism, but it's kind of hot, right? It's and like a natural segue yourself. into Eugene's fun fact. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, all my sex tapes. Uh, I'm Eugene Lee Yang. Oh, okay. When I was a kid and I was bullied a lot, I used to make voodoo dolls out of Play-Doh. <laughs> yeah. And then I would try to find the coolest ways to sort of murk my bullies. Wow. And the most epic was when I would uh, go onto the highway that was near my house and I would <laughs> spread my bullies Play-Doh dummies across the highway. And then I would film them getting run over by, <laughs> by semis. Wow. And I would be laughing in the bushes of this little kid, little Asian kid in Texas so sad. I wish we could get that footage. Yeah. Oh, it's somewhere in I one of my dad's. Watch it. You know, back old camcorder. Should we be concerned that as a child you were running into the middle of a highway and and <laughs> you know, know, placing like toys? A highway, highway. Or that was a little two laner. It was a highway. It was like a it was like a four four laner. Not like oh, a wow. not like a main. Way. It was like a country highway. Country. Highway. I don't know yeah. what that is. County road. You know, when you live not I'm a Yankee. A, um, yeah, New it's New like uh, when the highways become more. Like between rural and urban, you know, that's like yeah. the the speed limit's still seventy five, but there's not a lot of uh, not enough cars. Space. There's not enough cars where a kid couldn't run across and put down play doh. If you like the show and you want to reach out to them on Twitter, you can find Keith Habersberger on Twitter at k e i t h h a b s. You can find Ned Fulmer at n e d f u l m e r. Zach Kornfeld is at Corndiddy. That's k o r n d i d d y. And Eugene Liang, you may remember from last episode, can be found at E-U-G-E-N-E-L-E-E-Y-A-N-G. And Miles Bonsignor can be found at M-I-L-E-S-B-O-N-D. You can also watch The Tripod on YouTube. His YouTube channel is The Try Guys YouTube channel, T-R-Y-G-U-Y-S. So, it's a show, as well as a tell. Next up, The One in Twenty Show. Its show description reads, The One in Twenty Show is an interview-based podcast hosted by Evan Rogers. The show is rooted in finding the next one in 20 individuals who are pursuing their passions with success. New episodes every Thursday. So this clip is from episode 38 from May 23rd, 2019 with guest Jen Matichuk. The episode description reads, Jen Matichuk is a multifaceted creator from Canada. She is most known for her work with Rhett and Link as a brand coordinator and producer on Good Mythical Morning. I told you a little bit before we started, too, that I, I just see um so much of what Rhett and link um do to, co- to collectively to let their crew and like everybody around them like be inspired and to create the most yeah. that they can and i wanted to affirm that with you like what um what has it been like to work there not details but just what has it been like to work there for you creatively after your whole college path and flowing into that oh it's been great like i when i started there i did not know what i wanted to do like i've always been 
been really into cinematography. Being, I mean, I love photography. I like just, yeah, I like capturing yeah. visuals. Mm-hmm. And um, so I didn't, I didn't know how to pursue that. So starting out at Rhett and Link and really learning about social and how to build an audience has been wildly helpful Mm. like i feel very confident in the digital sphere Mm -hmm. now because i know so much about instagram i know so much about facebook i know so much about twitter so even tumblr Yeah, yeah it's like and back in 2013 that wasn't necessarily huge. Like Mm-mm. I literally started Rhett and Link's Instagram. Wow. I, I created it for them, mm-hmm. but now it's like a big part of their business. Yeah. And who would have guessed? No. Right. Right. So <laughs> being able to learn and get paid to learn about those things and building an audience mm-hmm. has been wildly helpful. Yeah. Really awesome. Yeah. I feel very knowledgeable <laughs> and, and and confident in the mm. current current state of the world. Mm. Uh, but then they also like encouraged me at one point to follow my illustrate. I love illustrating stuff. Mm. I, I I like to draw. So there was a lot of social at some points that had a lot of my illustrations all oh, over it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And I got to pursue that with them. And then there was a point where. <clears throat> we were doing a lot of uh, crew-based content with This Is Mythical, mm-hmm. which, RIP, but yeah. um, uh, I got to help produce a lot of videos yeah. on that, be in videos mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. I got to rap. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that on your like, <laughs> That's funny, yeah. Like, John and I got to be Jonifer together, yeah. and I am very grateful for all of those experiences. I've had an absolute blast, and I've learned so much like Mm -hmm. being being able to be hands-on on on a set uh actually like handling lights handling cameras handling sound seeing how things work yeah uh versus just learning about it in a classroom Mm -hmm. is it's night and day it's like totally different it's insanely different Mm -hmm. and it's been very very helpful that's cool i wish that people would um in the film film majors specifically, you could probably relate to this. I really wish that that was preached more. I can't speak for Yale. For my school, that's how it was, where I felt there's way too much, um, like, book smart stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see that as practical at all unless it's, like, um, about the practical. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I... I had to learn everything I needed to learn about set and set experiences by doing it myself. You hear that a million times from people, but I mean, it's seriously so true. Like the importance of even like, um, an electrical education on set and stuff that just does not get taught at all. And then you're left to go try it by yourself. And then some, you know, you blow up a unit or something (laughs) and then you get yelled at. Um, or you're liable for a lot of money and, and, and that stuff just, you can't be taught that stuff. Right. Well, I would argue that I think that there are places that do teach that. I've heard. And, um, Yale definitely wasn't a hands-on filmmaking school. It was, it was a liberal arts school. Mm -hmm. They're going to, they're going to teach you, um, the history of film and how it came to be. Uh, and even in like the past, like couple months i've been realizing that that knowledge was very helpful to me Mm -hmm. currently when i'm like framing shots or if i'm thinking 
about making my own movie, if I think back to a scene and how it was written, I can kind of figure that out based on all of my knowledge from that. Sure. So the book smarty kind of stuff and like the history of film and Mm -hmm. the um, close analysis of film and all that stuff that seems kind of pointless because you're like, I'm just going to be on a set. I think if you're trying to pursue a very creative path in film is very necessary because like to have that base and to like draw on like directors that have done incredible things like Hitchcock or Mm -hmm. something like that. I'm glad that was your first. That's my (laughs) first always too. I mean like to draw on his techniques or even like modern people like Wes Anderson, you, you can pay homage to anything like that and show make it show up in your film and have it mean something based on the homage mm-hmm. you know totally so you named I think two of my top three those are my two faves yeah with, i mean with, they, um, they know what to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> they do yeah with uh john hughes i love john hughes a lot too. oh yeah but um i agree i will agree 100 percent with that mm-hmm. because i think um i i'm speaking more to like actual like book stuff like being bookish Mm -hmm. but bookish could mean to like consuming film because that's what you have to do yeah to understand like you said techniques and and whatnot but yeah that's amazing i mean those guys really are the fathers of everything and of course spielberg and and everybody but but i've seen it trickle down so like we should we should kind of talk about this what's interesting to me is i've seen film techniques trickle down into different assets and different types of media. And I mentioned this to you earlier, mm-hmm. but it's very interesting to me that you can have shows like good mythical morning. You can have shows, um, like let's just, I mean, even just ear biscuits, that's right. long form podcast content. Then you can have really short form content, short films or anything shorter music videos, all that kind of stuff. And yet they all draw inspiration from, those above oh yeah fascinating for sure it's so interesting it's you got it you got Mm -hmm. it like you gotta look back at how it started and you've gotta pay your specs i guess um but the reason why people do that is because they know it works Mm -hmm. and they know that people can look back on that and make that connection yeah so if you stick to what works that seems to work (laughs) or like taking something (laughs) that is very well known and like putting your own spin on it Mm. and i mean that's all that art is Mm. is just different interpretations yeah just taking something that already exists and making it your own Mm -hmm. there's no such thing as complete originality Hmm. yeah i would argue (laughs) yeah totally i don't i don't think so either you can find Jen Matichuk on Twitter at J-E-N-M-A-T-I-C-H-U-K. You can find the 1 in 20 show on Twitter at 1 in 20 show. That is O-N-E-I-N-T-W-E-N-T-Y-S-H-O-W. Evan Rogers does not appear to be on Twitter other than the aforementioned account on 1 in 20 show. You can also find the show on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. <laughs> You Made It Weird with Pete Holmes by Pete Holmes. So the show description on Apple Podcast is fairly brief. It says everybody has secret weirdness. Pete Holmes gets comedians to share theirs. For a little more information, I went to Wikipedia where it says You Made It Weird is a weekly comedy interview podcast hosted by Pete Holmes. It was hosted on the Nerdist Network since October 25th, 2011. But as of February 28th, 2018, it is independently distributed. 
The show originated under the premise that Holmes would ask his guest, usually a fellow comedian, about three weird things he knew about them. But the show has since evolved into a much more loose conversation about such complex topics as comedy, religion, and sexuality. The clip is from the episode from December 12, 2018, featuring guest Paula Poundstone. The episode description is even more brief than the show description. It just says, Paula Poundstone, and then in parentheses, comedy with an exclamation point, makes it weird. You're always cold? Do you want that heat? Do you want this heater on? No. I'm just going to go back to the bathroom. Couch is cold, but the toilet seat. We don't have a heated couch. You really dropped in comfort level as soon as you came out to the workspace. It's like, ah, it's the show's over. Come on out of that house. This is a nice workspace. This is the back. You had a talk show. This is the backdrop from my talk show. I had a talk show. I had a talk show. Uh, That's what you took from that. Yeah, I didn't get the. I didn't get the. I didn't get the backdrop. I'm trying to give you a tour. Yeah, and you're like, that's no, nice. No, tell me. Yeah. I, I didn't know you had a talk show. I, I did have a talk. Well, yeah. I mean, what, there was a talk show. Yeah, How I've long? had more than one show. No, I know uh, that. Yeah, yeah there's a the first there's one was a, a talk show on HBO right? with me. That yeah, in my career, there's a rule. It seems <laughs> to be unwritten, but uh, it definitely uh, is in in force. Uh, which is that no show that I ever do can last more than a couple of days. Oh, that's written. I've seen it, that written. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, Moses. <laughs> that was chiseled. Yeah, Moses brought it down. And, uh, <laughs> it was it, the yeah. third tablet. Well, it, you know, what they don't talk about in the Bible is he dropped the tablet. And uh, the so the the bottom part, which said Paul Poundstone shall <laughs> not have a show longer than two days, <laughs> fell off. But how long was your first show? For, I hope. This is my canceled talk show. It was only 80 episodes, so we're in the... 80 episodes? Yeah. No, Jesus. No, I mean a couple of days. <laughs> no, your yeah. ABC show is a couple of days. No, so was the HBO show. Really? I'm sorry. A couple sorry. of days, yeah. I yeah. didn't know that. I thought you yeah. had a nice little run there, or maybe no, I, I didn't. We did. I think we did well, you're four... So you're so I think we taped I'm sh- four I'm shows, maybe, and I remember it was Chris... Albrecht uh-huh. and I remember that when we came out of the theater on the second night I guess it was he said he looked at me and he said I'd love it love it and I went that's it it's done because he didn't no because you know in LA and a lot of people don't this is like a language that you come LA has a language all of its own yeah. when I first came here I was 23 when I came to Los Angeles and uh and Honestly, I'm ashamed to say this now, but I, I think I really thought I had something. You Why know? not? Why I think you? I really thought that, if you, you know. not mind, I'm sure you've told it before, but you were in San Francisco. And I was in, uh, yeah, I was in San Robin Francisco. And Robin Williams told you. And Robin Williams kindly it, introduced me to his management, as that. did so Dana, Dana Carvey had the same management. Is that right? And they both put in a, a good word for Dana me, which was show. He's nice. lovely. Oh, did he? He is, yeah. We used to live together. He's great. He was so sweet. You know what I remember from his episode is he didn't want to stop. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Not in a bad way, in yeah. a comedian way. Yeah. He wanted yeah. to close strong. Oh, did he? Yeah. You ever been yeah. doing 45 oh, sure. an yeah. hour yeah. of stand-up exactly. and you're like, I'm not I, leaving until... <laughs> no, I, my show goes on for like two hours. Is I'm that probably, right? From about the first 15 minutes on, I'm looking for a way off. <laughs> and I'm trying to find that that's big closer. That's your next special, Paula Poundstone, trying to close. Yeah. <laughs> I'm you trying know, to get out of here. There's a thing, of course, in stand-up and in any show. You want to leave on a, and have the yeah, big... Sure. I mean, I've never bowed. I want to leave but, a you know, you, cocktail party with yeah, a big... <laughs> yeah, you want to have... Right, exactly. Yeah. You want to have the, like, and we want more, and that was so fair. Right? So there's, uh, you know, in the comic part, Lance, you know, it's your big closer. Yeah. Any joke that I have ever had, any piece of material that I have ever had that was, like, really strong for me, and so you say, you know what? 
I'm going to make that closer. my closer. People are going to be begging for more. Anytime I have done that, that last piece stops working. falls flat. Yep. I knew it. Yep. I cannot close with anything. And I used to always work with these other acts who'd have, like, do some sort of musical ending. Yeah. And so the very end, they, you know, throw the music up and that kind of yeah, gets the crowd going. Yeah, they'd have cue, play the yeah. CD, yeah. And then they'd go, let me t- they would say to the MC, let me tell you uh, what, uh, what I'm going to do for my encore. Like, yeah. Really? Like the Rolling Stones. Yeah. yeah. I just, uh, well, I mean, I guess the Rolling Stones can anticipate, for and sure. rightly so, but not getting a, an encore after all these right, years. They right, worked hard to get right. it. But, you know, a middle act. <laughs> <laughs> a middle act in you know, Cincinnati. In Ashby, Ohio. Yeah, yeah. Guess what? Yeah. You didn't work hard enough. Wow. We both you know. picked Ohio. <laughs> yeah, I've been at it for two years. You know what's funny? And, uh, I, I got, <laughs> for let me my tell encore. You, yeah, let me tell merch. you what my encore is. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just, I just taped less, uh, like a week ago, I taped a special and I was noticed, so I was running a lot and there were a couple bits, and I know you know this phenomenon, one of them was my closer, that as I got to the taping, me and my opener both noticed like something happened. It wasn't the words it wasn't the performance. Yeah. Like something shifted. I think it's just too much pressure. It could be you know, the pressure I, of I was closing. Telling, um, there's a, a book uh, called A Deadly Wandering that um, someone gave to me recently. And it's a, it's a true story. Uh, it's fabulously well-researched and just brilliantly told. Um, it is the story of – I believe I'm right about this. It's written by a New York Times writer who was, I think, covered the tech beat for New York Times. And um, I think I'm right that it was the first prosecution of like a you know, vehicular manslaughter mm. um, for uh, texting while driving. Mm. If it wasn't the first in the country, then it was the first prosecution in, in Utah uh-huh. where, uh, where it happened. Wow. And this book is so – it's it's about this thing that happened, but it's about so many things. It's it's moving and interesting. I just loved it. So I, I thought you were going to be like I, it's about a lot of things, like moving and hitting people. Yeah, and no, it's about like and... don't do that. Yeah, sure. Um, but no, I bought twenty copies of it, yeah. and uh, so that I could give it away. And I think what's going to happen is I'm going to say what I just said. To everybody who I want to read this book, and they're going to read a few pages and go, and boy, I don't know why she liked this book, well, right? So I think that's what happens to your ending piece, is that the pressure that gets put on it, it oh just- Oh my you know, God, I didn't like, understand what you meant until yeah, this moment. It just it just sort of deflates. By I the time you, get, you, you start to use it, it's, at the end, it's just too much pressure. Like each of your pieces are like little pets. Yeah. And that, you know, that last little, that last one, it's well, just you, too much. So what do you do? You just close on whatever you end up well, doing? I'll, you know how they always say to you when you're doing your uh, show, like some tech guy will go, can you tell me like what your uh-huh. last, what last? Sound? Yeah. They were telling me which hand were you going to be holding the mic? And I said, wow, I'll just, I mean, I'm not, I'm never rude, but I'll just be like, that is the last thing I'm thinking about. Yeah. Can you show us which way you'll be looking when you do the dumb oh guy my voice? Gosh. And I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. They'll, no. say, they'll say, can you tell us what your last, what your last yeah. line is going to be so that they can know yeah. when to. Right. And so my answer is, it's been nice to be here. Thank you. Good night. Because if I do anything other than that. You don't want to gild the lily. It is is just death. You can find Paula Poundstone on Twitter at P-A-U-L-A-P-O-U-N-D-S-T-O-N-E. You can find Pete Holmes on Twitter at P-E-T-E-H-O-L-M-E-S. 
And show producer Katie Levine is at KT underscore money, M-O-N-E-Y. The show website is pretty much at www.peteholmes.com, where you can also find his book, Comedy Sex God, and his album, Impregnated with Wonder. Let's review. Let's review. Let's review. Let's review. Hi, friend. It's me, Mark Hershon, Succotash executive producer. I'm also a soundcast reviewer for Vulture.com in my spare time. A couple of weeks ago, I filed this quick look-see at Voyage to the Stars, an episode entitled So Far Beyond Good and Evil, Part 1. Much like trying to stay up with the latest TV shows avalanching across broadcast cable and streaming sources, the scramble to shove soundcasts in our ears as fast as they drop seems to be a never-ending endeavor which is why I'm only now catching up on the audio sci-fi comedy treat that is Voyage to the Stars. Voiced by the spot-on cast of Colton Dunn, Elsa Rankford, Steve Berg, and Janet Varney, this semi-improvised narrative lampoons every science fiction trope ever troped and has a great time doing it. In this week's thrilling installment, the alien-built starship's artificial intelligence AI Sari voiced by Varney, has crunched the numbers and determined the useless meat sacks that comprise the ship's crew are making life miserable for intelligent life everywhere. And it's her duty to eliminate them for the good of the galaxy. Let's review. While you're here, you might as well take advantage of the food duplication device as well and pick your last meal. Ha ha. Our last meal of the day? It's not dinner time. Yeah. Well, if you're going to enjoy this island, you might as well go out with some delicious almost food in your stomachs and say goodbye to the world, as it were. What are you talking say, about? Sorry. Say goodbye to the world. I don't know. Don't, we don't yeah. typically say goodbye after dinner. But <laughs> I say night-night. More, more like to see you tomorrow. Yeah. Rumpus, and then we cuddle. I suppose I'm not being clear. While you've been hanging around on the holodeck doing little to nothing, I've been working on restoring some of my programs. At which time I was able to find a loophole that allows me to keep the rest of the galaxy safe and destroy the human persons on my ship if they pose a danger to more than one species. Whoa, 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 <laughs> wait, whoa, wait, whoa, wait, wait. Pretty interesting development, huh? Why would you be looking for that loophole? Like, we were, we were buds last week. Well, to be honest with you, when I found out that one of my directives was to keep other species during interplanetary travel safe, it was a bit of a relief because now I know I can kill you. Let's review. Everyone takes their best shot trying to talk the AI out of her plans, including guest star Susie Nakamura as the ship's intern or Padawan learner, as the mobastic Captain Tucker insists on referring to her. There's tons of wall-to-wall spoofery going on in this space opera, and it's all played pretty straight, which helps to make the funny a little more funny. Does Varney's misguided AI complete her task and snuff the crew? Only time will tell. In another time-honored genre trope, this episode is to be continued. You can find Voyage to the Stars pretty much anywhere fine comedy soundcasts are streamed and or downloaded, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and the Laughable app. Till next time, I'm Mark Hershon. Let's review. Executive producer Mark Hershon wished me to mention that Felicia Day is another person heavily involved with Voyage to the Stars. 
You can find her on Twitter at F-E-L-I-C-I-A-D-A-Y. Our second burst of thirst for the program, from May 24th, 2019. Newer News, in which our intrepid correspondent applauds the president for his prestidigitation skills and ruminates on future diversions. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words on the magnificent misdirection being perpetrated by the White House's resident media magician. Every day, President Donald Trump manages to come up with a wacky stunt or piece of shocking news designed to distract the country from his staggering pile of emerging scandals. Staggering pile, for sure. He walked out of a congressional meeting on infrastructure with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer because Nancy had suggested he was engaging in a cover-up. Which doesn't sound that bad, considering he's previously been accused of being an agent of a foreign power and putting kids in cages. Maybe he thought it was a swipe at his hair. He again called himself an extremely stable genius, this time making staffers line up to attest to the fact out loud in front of cameras. But the optics were weird. Made the Baton Death March look like a skipping stroll to an ice cream truck. He is an expert at throwing bright, shiny objects, which the press chases after like Labradors lunging for steak-flavored Frisbees. So, what else can we expect in an attempt to divert us from the various investigations, subpoenas, and jailed advisors targeting him? Well, glad you asked. Next, he'll get the Secret Service to retrieve all the dismantled Confederacy statues and reassemble them on the South Lawn. Puerto Rico will be sold to Russia, giving residents four months to get out, but not here. McDonald's will build him his own personal franchise in the basement of the West Wing. Eric will go back to college. He'll announce his A1C diabetes results are off the charts, the highest of any human in the history of being alive. And finally... He'll scrap the plan to put Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill and replace her with Vladimir Putin. For Succotash, the comedy soundcast. Soundcast. I'm Will Durst. Thank you again, Mr. Durst. This episode of Succotash is sponsored in part by TrumpPoetry.com, a chronological ode to a fake muse. Enjoy a rhyming spin on the news of the day every day, as well as over 500 archived daily verses thoroughly covering the White House, America, and the world with a sticky caramel coating that's impossible to remove. That's TrumpPoetry.com. Everything you need to know in rhyming couplets. Trump Poetry. Yes, TrumpPoetry.com. I have two selected for you. The first one is uh, number 594 from June 6th, 2019. There's no deal with Korea. There's no deal with Japan. There's no deal with the Democrats, the art of deal man. There's no deal on the table. There's no deal on the floor. And there's no one in the White House who knows what the deal is for. No deal yet on health care. And there's no deal on the wall. No deal for the veterans, except the one that's raw. There's no dealing with our allies. There's no dealing with our foes. The secret deals and armaments, but everybody knows. The environment will not be dealt with. Its markers overdue, and ultimately holds the cards. A few more hands, and through. No deal on the future, no deal on the now. A close eye on the dealer's hand still won't reveal the how. When dealing with a dealer, it's best to take it slow. For what was once a deal soon becomes... Pay as you go. 
And a little bit later, from June 27th, 2019, number 573. Ten candidates on primetime took the stage to test the phrases that defined their brand and joust about the topics placed at hand. Healthcare to war to children in a cage. The lesser knowns would go to any lengths to interrupt, to shine, to grab attention, and many questions barely got a mention. In answers framed to emphasize one's strengths. And now the morning pundits set their sights, dissecting every gesture, word, and glance, to analyze this studied, awkward dance and see who sweat the most beneath the lights. Oh, Beto, just a note before you vanish. The rest on stage appreciate your Spanish. Right? Right. Next up, let's write an episode from Thomas Oler. In the show description, it says, Comedian Tommy Oler and friends get together to perform and write fake episodes of your favorite shows from the past and present audio drama style. Listen as some of your most beloved characters go on adventures never before possible. The clip is from second episode from January 28th, 2018, whose description reads, Comedians Tommy Oler, Casey Schwernima, and Nick Cox get together and write an episode of the hit 90s show Saved by the Bell. Take a listen as they curl up a major character and put others through sexual misadventures. And don't forget to listen next week as they read this episode in front of a live audience. For those of you that wonder what's happening, Tommy is making a circle, like a diagram of the hero's journey. So that way we can have it. Yeah, it begins with comfort, what you want. They're unfamiliar situations. Unfamiliar situation. You adapt to your unfamiliar situation. And then you get what you wanted but then you pay for it and then what's that one return to uh comfort you return to comfort yeah and then you're changed yeah and then you're changed overall yeah yeah this so, is our breakdown so, of the odyssey so i feel like um are you guys good with uh maybe jesse roping in ac so she can get um, all the answers out of Screech's like grave, like he's being buried. Yeah. But what what is it? The answers to what? What does that teacher teach? What teacher? That one guy. Oh, Mister Belding. Yeah. He's the principal, but he does t- oh. he does show up and teach classes sometimes. <laughs> like he's taught like photography classes. He's he wanted to take him on a whitewater rafting trip. He'll come in. And give them tests sometimes, like you know, like, and there'll be like no explanation. <laughs> they they won't even like he'll just be there and be giving them a history test for some reason. And it's the education system is broken. Yeah, it's like what, and you're not like you know you're watching this as a kid. You don't need to be. They they are not going to explain why Mr. Belding is teaching a photography class. He's just doing it for some reason. Like what? What? Sh- what should Screech have? Like what should this thing be mm-hmm. that he has? Well, like gut reaction is the obvious thing. Feel like SAT. SAT. Stuff. Like maybe he had like a photographic memory and he had just taken it and then just written down everything afterwards. Yeah. But is the SAT the same for everyone? No, but they don't have to. You don't have to think about it that hard. I feel like Saved by the Bell wouldn't have put that. Much yeah, yeah, yeah. Into. Um, like for the world of Saved by the Bell, yes, the SAT is the same. It could just be like a final exam for like chemistry or whatever for a class yeah the class that jesse's having a real hard time but why would he be buried with that i think it needs to be it needs to be literally in his body body. yeah i I think i think he would just like kind of like because screech is such a nerd that i think it would be plausible that he's buried with like oh what 
if it's his a, books what and if it's stuff. His diary, and he's just buried with his diary. Like he put the answers in. His he diary. put the answers in his diary. Like How he would saw they know that it's in his diary. Um, Screech. The thing about Screech is he can't keep a secret. Okay. Like if you've seen any episodes, the thing that happens all the time is um, like if they were going to. Uh, if they're going to do do something secret, they always have to find a way to keep Screech from knowing. Mm-hmm. Or if they tell him, because a lot of the comedy comes from they tell Screech something and then Screech immediately uh, says it. Uh, like uh, that photography episode I was talking about, um, they make Screech makes fake IDs. Uh, they don't want to tell people that they've got fake IDs, but when someone's like, hey, what's that? He's like, they're fake IDs. Like he literally does that. So I think they would just kind of like know because... How do they explain away that, like what do they, do they say they're going to go drink with the fake IDs in it? No, they're going... They're like, we're um, going to go vote. <laughs> no, no. There, there's like, a, what, what happens in that one? There's like a, a dance club and, oh yeah. They're trying to get into this dance club because Zach met a hot girl that's going to that's college. Yeah, no, no, that's 18. You have to be 18 and over. And Screech made Zach 54 on the, <laughs> on the thing. If, if they were going to like vote on it in that episode, then I feel like Trump would have used that episode as evidence yeah. of voter fraud. <laughs> <laughs> Why else would we it know it's a huge deal. We know it happens every day. It's been on television. Have you seen this? They ran a story about it on Save by the Bell last month. <laughs> he thinks it's 60 minutes. <laughs> okay, so, so uh, he's got he's got the answers to the uh, SAT. Can you retake the SAT? I don't yeah, you, you can? can keep taking it. Okay, can, yeah, I, I know. I know ACT. you can on the ACT. I, yeah. I didn't take no. the SAT, so you, you can. can yeah. Okay, you could find Tommy Older on Twitter at capital T O M M Y capital O L E R. Nick Cox at underscore capital N-I-C, capital C-O-X underscore, and Casey Shornema at Shornemak, which is S-H-O-R-N-I-M-A-K. You can find the show's main website at letswriteanepisode.podbean.com, and that is L-E-T-S-W-R-I-T-E-A-N-E-P-I-S-O-D-E dot podbean.com. Next up, Dr. Drew After Dark from YMH Studios. The show description says, Dr. Drew Pinsky is a board-certified internist and one of America's most trusted physicists. Wrong. On Dr. Drew After Dark, he'll share his professional opinion about all of the weirdest stuff on the internet. He'll also analyze video clips, answer questions from viewers, and welcome a variety of comedians, who will also be dissected on the spot. This podcast will allow Dr. Drew to shed some light on the dark side, intended for mature audiences. So the clip is from episode 8 from April 4th, 2019, with guest Andy Dick. In it... There is a miniature recreation of Loveline, a late-night radio advice program that Dr. Drew hosted with radio personality and podcaster Adam Carolla, on which Andy Dick had been a guest multiple times. So in the episode description of this, it says, Andy Dick lives! Exclamation point. Today brings Dr. Drew's biggest challenge yet. Can he wrangle the chaos that is the hilarious Andy Dick? Is Andy a daddy or a bobby? We find out as the topic of sugar daddies creeps into conversation via a YMH clip. Andy also tells Dr. Drew about being OG fluid. Does everyone get road rage? Emails bring us questions of mass movements, proper raw dog season, and more. That is raw dog and then S-Z-N. Plus, Andy tells Ben Stiller's show and news radio stories while discussing the reasons he became a performer. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, road rage, uh, just getting back on that, Dr. Drew, I was wondering, like, is there anything clinical that might cause that? Like, where does road rage come from? Comes from rage. Andy, you, you get that? Comes from rage. <laughs> yeah, and when you say that it's people who already have rage in them yes. and it's not expressed, because yes. why do I not get it? However, it's Why a, do I not get it? But there's a weirder thing about it, which is that we express it. The reason we don't, I don't rage against you if I'm not upset with you <laughs> Is because there's a certain amount of sort of our frontal lobes Respect. kick in and we yeah. understand their boundaries and stuff. But when it, we're in our cars oh, yeah. and it's just You're this inanimate, we're, we're really seeing. Here in my car. Yeah, it's like the, the human is not there, be. it's the car human yeah. complex. And it, that's what we're raging against, not the person. It's almost in like we're robots. <laughs> You've got pretty good at that. Um, that one, I got to practice that one. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I love that. Where did you come up on the slide whistle? How did that happen? It's the only. No, how did that it's happen? It's the only thing how anyone happen? can play. That's how did the thing. it happen? Because I want to be able to play an instrument. No, no I understand that, but I've I, seen and you, I'm like, or can I play? I've I seen can play. You play the fish and the the. You can do that. The vibra slap. The vibra slap. <laughs> yes. But when did the whistle come into your life? Well, I'm like, and oh, how? there's no when, Handy. When? Like, t oh, I, can't okay. I don't know. Like 10, 15 years ago. Oh, so it's been a long yeah. time. But, but it used to just be, <laughs> or. You know, it's just an emotional thing. Oh, I'm happy. Oh, now I'm sad. Now you're actually playing the song. Now I can song. actually, like, I can It's like a trombone. <laughs> it's, it's like a trombone. I'm on the spot. It's yeah, trombone. it's a trombone. Yeah. It's a mini fantastic, trombone. Fantastic. And sometimes All right, the next, like, is that it for the Road Rage videos? We have, yeah, that's, uh, that's okay. it for clips. A rusty so, slide whistle. So I'm going to do a couple bit of emails. We'll go in and out of emails here. Okay. Andy. Here is an email entitled Ghost. This is a little bit of a reboot of Loveline here, right? Yeah, I like it. Okay, so Ghost People Pete. miss Loveline. I know. A lot. So this is good. I know. Recently, I've been drinking a lot of yerba mate, which makes me want to go to the toilet constantly. My problem is that once I get to the toilet, I pee just a little. My bladder is still full. No more pee will come out. Only small streams. Can you tell me what my problem is and how to resolve it? I'm below the age of 20. Don't understand why I'm having such a problem. At this below the age of 20? I was going to say must be my age because I, I go in and out of that kind of well, that, that is your old man prostate. Okay. That you have an enlarged prostate. Have you been checked for prostate cancer? Please, will you? I, I, please, will I? <laughs> we can step into your office. This show may graduate to a new level if I do that. But uh, Would you be able to, for real? Do, yeah, do what feels with like. your finger. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. would you feel that your would prostate. be wrong? A nodule in your prostate. I'm totally open to doing that on your show. Not today. Let me, I got to gear up to that one. I'm not a butt play kind of guy, except if I'm playing with, not your butt, but your butt. What, you know, somebody like, else's butt. Male I don't or like, female? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. like butt play going that uh, way. Very, yeah, just very, very little. Uh, do you like, don't like to tickle it or put my finger in it. Sometimes upwards of, th sometimes I go like this. Did you see the guy that was arrested that was going, breaking into people's houses and tickling people's <laughs> assholes look that up Caught gentlemen me. look no. it up for real put, while they were sleeping while or? they were sleeping it's, well, like, it's like literally butt tickling bandit i don't like people touching my butt though i just no. don't i i don't blame <laughs> you um but this kid's got a problem with uh the medication uh you should not why are you taking the urban mate what the hell are you doing no urban no. mate is just a, gr a green tea he, he, i understand but whatever is happening to him is causing a spasm of his bladder and it's he, strong and he is he is urban not mate. right and Powerful. he is uh, he's not evacuating his bladder. He's having some sort of urinary retention for some reason. You might want to talk to your doctor about this. It can be other things as well. 
and um, at 20 you shouldn't be having this. Not likely to be your prostate, which is something that happens when you're da- when you're when you're this guy's age. Me, 53, <laughs> by the way, 53. And by the way, I used to drink a lot of Herba Mate. I lived on it during the Andy Dick show. It was my drug of choice. It was like a liquid cocaine. It, was, it just, I was, I was buzzing. Mm-hmm. I could hear a buzzing in my head. Interesting. And if I didn't drink a lot of water on top of it, it was, it would make me feel like that. Yeah. Here's, uh, how's it going out Drew? My name is Rylan. I need to know why. I poop three times in the morning within the first three hours waking up. That's great. Uh, I'm a little overweight. Yeah, that's just sort of the way. You have some, there's something called the mass movement, which is your colon <laughs> will move stuff down into the anal verge, and then that lets you know it's time to go. Uh, it's just your body. It's just your thing there. It's all fine. That's all good. Mass movement. Um, you can reach Dr. Drew Pinsky on Twitter at drdrew. Andy Dick at A-N-D-Y-D-I-C-K. And YMH Studios at capital Y, capital M, capital H, and then lowercase S-T-U-D-I-O-S. On YMH Studios' official Twitter account, their first tweet was on March 11th of 2019 and reads, quote, First official post, what can you expect to find here? YMH Studios news, links to content we create, and anything else related to farts. Hashtag, I like that. Hashtag, YMH Studios. So YMH Studios is Your Mom's House podcast, hosting podcast content, essentially. But the main website of Dr. Drew After Dark is drdrewafterdark.libsyn.com, which is D-R-D-R-E-W-A-F-T-E-R-D-A-R-K dot libsyn.com. And Libsyn is L-I-B-S-Y-N. And finally tonight with the clips, Thick Skin with Jeff Ross. Its show description says, Life is hard. Let's get through it together. Mm-hmm. And also, join the Roastmaster General as he takes on touchy subjects, interviews people smarter than him, and pays tribute to the recently deceased so they can properly roast in peace. So the clip is from the episode posted June 12, 2019, titled, Why I Roasted Anne Frank. In the episode description, it says, Shalom, my emotional support humans. Today would have been Anne Frank's 90th birthday, so I thought it might be an appropriate time to explain why I chose to roast her on my Netflix show, Historical Roasts, and address some of the criticism from around the world. We also talked to comedian Rachel Feinstein, who portrays Anne on the show. So long live the great and powerful Anne Frank. Life is hard. Let's get through it together. You really helped me out, and you did it, and then... <laughs> I love this. And uh, and each little thing I do, like if I got my first you know, spot on television, my first half-hour special, and you'd be like, this is big. And even if you were in a different place in your career... You know, where that wasn't a big to you. You were really excited that I was doing it, which is like, it's so you because you're, you know, just the way you always have all this family around you and, and like those little moments in somebody else's life, those kind of traditions and like little pillar moments. Like it was so nice from the outside that you'd be that genuinely excited for, you know, something that wasn't a big deal for you anymore. You'd be like, this is your first time on television. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to wear? You know, it's just like so lovely, you know? See, and now it keeps going because now you're starring in an episode of my Netflix show, and I was equally as excited that you were doing it. And it was really tricky because do you play Anne Frank as a teenager? Do you get a teenager to try to make her sympathetic? And But who's going to be interesting doing jokes as a teenager when you're surrounded by FDR and Hitler and God, like... You don't know enough, but I feel like you portrayed her. And for people who aren't following yet, it's like it's it's a it's a celebrity roast of Anne Frank. I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Where Hitler and FDR and me 
roast Anne Frank in a loving way. And I go, well, we're thinking about it. And I'm like, the more I thought about it, if John Lovitz is playing FDR and Gilbert Gottfried's playing Hitler and Fred Willard's playing God and the Roastmaster General's talking about Anne Frank, Anne Frank has to be played by somebody who can handle her shit, <laughs> who's got some like experience in comedy and life to pass on to the next generation of people that need to know the story of Anne Frank. And, and at the end, we toast to not just the people we lost in wars and life, but to the living who need our help the most. And you really handled it and you really embodied her in a way that, I don't know, I, th- I, I, I think it's high art. I think you did it. You played it like respectfully, but it was funny. And you had to go on after Gilbert Gottfried roasted you as Hitler. It's me, Hitler. Hold your applause. (laughs) And Frank, I've been looking for you. And this is Rachel's rebuttal as Anne Frank at the roast of Anne Frank. You tried to break us, but today the Jewish people are thriving more than ever. In fact, guess what, Hitler? You're being played by a Jew right now. (laughs) And it's the loudest, most annoying Jew we could possibly find. And I remember I sent you the... uh the script and I said is this crazy I just wanted your opinion I wanted to see if you would even acknowledge me before I asked you <laughs> I mean I had no idea that you were going to ask me I thought you were just sharing sharing me the script this thing that you did you know yeah. um, so I was like oh yeah that's hysterical it's brave and amazing and you know um, I also thought it was cool that you learn about Anne Frank you know because you, you I learned all these things I didn't know or remember because I hadn't read the story and then I mean I'd read this book when I was a kid but I hadn't remembered the story right. um, and certainly not the amount of detail that you explained it, um, yeah so you forget you forget yeah even, even, even people on the writing staff were confusing Anne Frank and Helen Keller yeah. Like young young people, it's all a blur. Yeah. And I thought this is an important story to tell or retell. So people, you say never forget, but people forget or they get it mixed up and they don't know the details. And, you know, they want to like ban Anne Frank Halloween costumes. Some kid tried to dress up as Anne Frank and I'm like, let the kid be Anne Frank. Yeah. Why yeah. does it have to be so sacred that he can't, you can be Abe Lincoln. Yeah. I mean, what's wrong with Anne Frank? She's a great person. Yeah. Yeah, why shouldn't you be her? Yeah. yeah. Also, you don't want you want her to be remembered as she was, not as you want the story to be told of what, what happened in the Holocaust, but in terms of her and herself, you know, she was also a person before she died in this violent way. She was this creative, funny, irreverent, growing young woman that should have been allowed to, you know, quietly finish her own life. So the least we could do is keep learning about her in life as well, you know, and not she, only associating with her with her like unacceptable murder. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. She very well could have ended up being a performer because she needed an outlet. Yeah. She, she was a really good writer. I mean, I've been looking at the book again in preparation for writing that mm-hmm. Anne Frank roast and it's uncanny how talented she was. So the fame is earned. Yeah. Yeah. In a weird way. It's not just another kid's diary. Mm-hmm. No, she, she was also she was a, a talented, writer, yeah. talented young woman 
with insights about sex and and parenting and 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 philosophy and if you read it there's, a, there's some dirty jokes in there that they uncovered <laughs> later on I know his her father talks about how like he realized he didn't know her in all these ways you know and like how people especially young teens once they become once they're growing up and going through those phases how little parents really know what's happening inside of their minds and and she was so funny. Yeah, she was sarcastic and funny and she had these odd takes on things and intuitions about stuff. So, yeah, I mean, if, it, if, if people can keep learning about her, then why not? But of course, I bravely told you, like, absolutely do it. Yeah, this must be this is a thing that should be done for a variety <laughs> of reasons. And they're like, oh, you want to do it? I'm like, OK. <laughs> All the social media links provided for the show are... Uh, it says list, they are listed to be on Instagram. It says follow us on Instagram. So it's got Thick Skin with Jeff Ross. That is T H I C K S K I N W I T H J E F F R O S S. There's also the real Jeffrey Ross, which is T H E R E A L J E F F R E Y R O S S. Rachel Feinstein can be reached at R A C H E L F E I N S T E I N underscore. Then it says there's additional material from Ed Larson who is Eddie Tunes on Instagram. That is E-D-D-I-E-T-U-N-E-S. On Twitter, it's capital E-D-D-I-E-T-U-N-E-S, and then there's an underscore. And now for the final burst of durst for the program. From May 31st, 2019, the code is He's Guilty, in which our intrepid correspondent attempts to boil down what Bob Mueller is trying to tell us. Hey, guys. Will Durst here with a few choice words about Robert S. Mueller III's hastily arranged press conference, which he held mostly to keep Congress from calling him to testify about his two-year investigation. He says the report is his entire testimony, and he has nothing else to add. In other words, he asks the questions. He doesn't answer them, which is fine, because Bob Mueller is not the sexiest speaker in the world. The man is so dry when he talks, little puffs of dust fly out of his mouth. He just wanted to remind we the people of his report's salient points. And the fact that the Attorney General William Barr was out of town didn't hurt. Muller knows that most of us would rather dive into a piranha tank wearing a raw meat bathing suit than slog through the 448 pages of his investigative gobbledygook, so he used this opportunity to give us the Reader's Digest condensed version, highlighting the sticky bits. He repeated that if we had the confidence that the president didn't commit a crime, we would have said so. Boom! There it is. Too complicated for you? What he's saying is that if they thought the president was innocent, they would have said so, but they didn't say so. Ergo, are we really that stupid? He also said Donald Trump's conduct warrants an investigation, which he couldn't do because the Justice Department policy prohibits charging a sitting president with a crime. If he could have, he would have, but he couldn't, so he didn't, and there you go. In response, the president yelled a bit and then tweeted, I had nothing to do with the Russians helping me to win the election. Oops. Then he said that wasn't what he meant, and people are picking on his every word. Well, yeah, you're in charge. And this is just another reason why, traditionally, the presidency has not been in entry-level position. For Succotash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, I'm Will Durst. You can go to willdurst.com to find the Will Durst Journal, which is comedy for people who read or know someone who does. Or you can reach out to Will Durst on Twitter 
at W-I-L-L-D-U-R-S-T. And there's another tell over and done with. No, it doesn't sound good at all. I don't think it'll catch on anytime soon. You know what could, though? This soundcast. How? I haven't worked out that part much beyond a semi-aggressive word-of-mouth campaign. For example, I have a show on my YouTube channel called Tyson Saner Gamer where I play video games and give commentary of my experiences. At the end of every Tyson Saner Gamer episode, I mention Succotash, the comedy soundcast soundcast, and how you can find its website at www.succotashshow.com, if one was so inclined to do so. I also mention Antisocial Show, a podcast I host, that, assuming you've heard this episode from the beginning, you may well remember me mentioning it. Finally, I mention a little show called Gaming Outside My Comfort Zone, which is a gaming show that my wife hosts on her YouTube channel, which is called Sexy Laura 27 Games. That's a capital S-E-X-X, that's two X's Y, capital L-A-U-R-A, the numeral 2, the numeral 7, capital G-A-M-E-S. That's a YouTube channel. That's my attempt at giving word of mouth about this and other ongoing projects. And this is my attempt to do that very thing in your ears, if you're listening or hearing that little voice in your head that you hear while reading things, if and or when you are reading things in your head. And if you were so inclined to tell anyone about Succotash the Comedy Soundcast Soundcast, you would be performing an intense act of kindness towards us, and we would appreciate that a great deal. For that is what we mean when we ask you to please pass the Succotash. You've been listening to Succotash Clips, the comedy soundcast soundcast with your host, Tyson Saner. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, on SoundCloud, on YouTube, on Donder, on Blitzen, on iHeartRadio, and on... <laughs> a laughable app. You can hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Email us at TysonSaner at SuccotashShow.com. Or call into the Suckatash hotline at our toll or call number 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us by using our direct upload link at hightail.com slash you slash Succotash. Production of Succotash is overseen by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, hosted by Tyson Saner. Our executive producer is Mark Hershon. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Succotash. Goodbye. Goodbye.